Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. Hey, Horn Frogs, this is Andrew Youngblood, TCU Chi Alpha Director. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, last week at our worship service, we preached about growing through suffering. And if you haven't checked that out, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Um, but as a supplement to that sermon, we wanted to share another resource with you. Uh, so I run a podcast with a friend of mine named Chris Scroggins for Campus Ministers. And on that podcast, we interviewed a dear friend and hero of mine. Her name is Joy Schroeder. Um, and we interviewed her on the topic of of navigating suffering well. Uh, so Joy and her husband Dick have been with Chi Alpha now for over 40 years, 30 of which they led the Chi Alpha at Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. And Dick now travels and teaches, and Joy is a life coach, a mentor, and a teacher. Um, and I got connected with her through the coaching and mentoring, and they serve on the National Chi Alpha field staff. And so Joy... In 1987, um, she was in a car accident, which broke her neck and paralyzed her from the chest down. And at the time of the accident, uh, Dick and Joy, they had a four-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter, and they were in campus ministry, so very difficult uh, time and season to walk through. Um, But through God's grace, Joy continued to be involved in Chi Alpha. She homeschooled their children and actually developed a really awesome discipleship resource called Tools for Mentoring. And because of Joy's personal experience in navigating suffering, she has a passion really to help others grow through suffering as well. And so we wanted to share some of Joy's interview with you guys um, because we think it's a great way to get a deeper perspective on the topic of growing through suffering. And it's just an incredible interview. We think you'll be really encouraged. Uh, so here it is, our conversation with Joy Schroeder. We're so blessed to have an incredible guest today, the one and only Joy Schroeder. Thank you so much for joining us, Joy. Mm-hmm. You bet. So uh, we often ask guests when we we invite them on, like, what's on your heart? And as we were talking and preparing, we we basically landed on the idea of navigating suffering or pain or hardships well. And so I wanted to ask you, why is this a topic, uh, something that you're passionate about? Well, Jesus promised that there would be tribulation. It's a promise we're, I'm not sure we like <laughs> would want to claim but but he was telling us the facts Mm -hmm. that in this world we're going to have trouble and tribulation and peter said don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you Mm -hmm. the problem is that i'm not sure we really believe jesus (laughs) and we are surprised when the trials come Mm -hmm. yeah and so I I see, in fact, I started a list on my phone a while back of the reasons people leave truth, leave the faith, or become derailed to some degree, and then their trajectory begins to be altered, and they end up really not um, fully yielded to Jesus anymore. And one of those is how they navigate pain mm. and suffering. I've had to wrestle through those very thorny questions personally. I don't want anyone to leave the faith. And so i um, that's why this topic is very important to me, because I think it's an important one to really wrestle through so that we can stay true to Jesus to the very end, no matter what life brings us. Well, Joy, um, I actually don't know the story of these thorny issues that you, you said you wrestled through. <laughs> 
<laughs> so would you mind sharing about your accident and how it shaped your view on all of these things that you're talking about? Yes, when I was 33, my children, our children were one and four. They were little ones. I went to the grocery store and was heading out to my, one of my favorite places by the river close to my home. And on my way out of the parking lot of the shopping center, I was hit by a young man who was driving 50 in a 25 mile an hour zone. So at that accident broke my neck. And I remember lying on the floor, lying on the ground after they, it took jaws of life to get me out of the car. And then they, I was lying on the ground and my friend's face appeared above me. And she said, do you think I should call Dick? And I said, yes, I think you should. I felt like I'd been decapitated, like my head was just mm. on the ground without a body attached. Wow. It's a very odd feeling. So she called my husband and Dick says that when he answered the phone, he knew that something terrible had happened. Mm. And at the same time, he heard from the Lord. It's like the Lord's hand came down next to Dick. And the Lord said to him, now, Dick, if you will step onto my hand, I will give you and your family grace to go through this next season. Mm. And Dick did. He stepped onto this big hand of God. And that was what we experienced through that next year of, um, of adjustment to my new body. Mm. The, the grace, oh my goodness, the grace was indicated certainly by people. We had so many people coming to rehab to visit me. When I got home, there was a 70 member meal team that cooked meals every night mm. for seven months because my kitchen was all packed up while they were remodeling. Wow. And the grace, that grace of God, I have to say, my definition of grace is that it is God's forgiveness, certainly our undeserved par uh, pardon. It's also God's strength to carry us through when our strength is small. Mm. It's a real stuff. And then it's this invisible stuff that transforms us from the inside out mm. so we can overcome sin and change. So the, I've experienced grace in all those three elements throughout my life. And the grace of God, this real stuff, was like a foam pad that cushioned us and I believe our children through the worst of what could have been. The Lord's presence was with us. Mm. In fact, every morning I would wake up in rehab facing six hours a day, six days a week of grueling rehab, mm. trying to figure out how to do everything over again, like brush my teeth and get dressed and wow. all those things that we can easily take, take for granted. And every morning I would wake up with this weird joy mm. in my heart. I, the people were watching me because they thought I was in denial and had a, <laughs> a mental lapse there. <laughs> Honestly, I, I really was not in denial. Yeah. I really was facing the facts, the realities. God's grace was with me and his presence. So I believe that that's accessible to anyone if we don't plug the pipeline to it, hmm. which we can talk about later. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So seeing, 
Yeah, seeing God answer our prayers, enough prayers to let us know he's listening. He didn't answer all of our prayers. We, um, you know, he didn't fully heal me. But there are other things that he did that because we had eyes to see, we could see them. Hmm. I think one of the important things I want to bring out is before I had the accident, I experienced a four-year season of what I call the dark night of the soul. Hmm. And that was a time of deep wrestling with faith, with God, who he is, asking the big questions like, what about suffering? What about justice? What about God's guidance and everything's supposed to turn out perfectly. You should be really happy when you follow God's will. Yeah. You know, you can see where I had some misinformation yeah. and some misbeliefs that needed to be addressed and dislodged. So during that dark time, I had an encounters with God that brought me the kind of revelation that I needed to understand that He is good, He's faithful. He will never leave us. And life is not fair. It's not what we want it to be. But it was, I came to understanding that it's very important to not make life and God the same thing. Hmm. Wow. There's life and things happen and God is good. Hmm. Uh, can you explain uh, what you meant by saying um, making life and God different? Can you kind of define what you mean by that statement? Well, let's look at Christ's life, and he fully entered into the broken planet. He experienced everything that we do. So he, he recognized that this is a broken planet. There are things that happen on this planet, things that happen in life, that are not fair. They're not what God intended in the Garden of Eden. And so there are things that happen here that we are contributors to, mm. to even what's happening in the COVID-19 virus that's wrecking havoc across our globe. There, the root of that is the, the sin, we, the root sin that we all make, and that is I will be God to myself. Mm. Yeah. And so we have done things to the planet against God's, mandate in the Garden of Eden that have contributed to what we're dealing with now. And so, and then there's other mishandling of things, you know, people's choices that um, misuse of power of leaders. I mean, there's multiple factors. And so that is life. Jesus, if we look at Jesus' life, he experienced the unfairness, mm. the injustice of living in this world. Mm. I mean, what can be what can be more unfair than the most innocent to the most righteous to, to die and be punished for the unrighteous? That is not fair. Yeah. So that is the planet we live in and the planet that Jesus fully entered, our God. God himself, we have to know his character, who he is, and wrestle with some questions about his will, what he wants. And those are two different things. God is good, loving, faithful, intending good for us. And the things that we have done separate us from that. Mm. And the things that other people have done, but they're not the same. So I have to look through what life brings me 
through a, a lens of God's goodness. So that's one of the ways that I keep them separate, that God is true. He's always going to be with me. And I don't interpret, I don't take what life is happening to me and use that to interpret who God is. That's not appropriate. Mm, gotcha. And that will lead you down, would lead me down a very, very dark road. Mm. And there's a cul-de-sac on the end of that road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So I, I think, Joy, that many of us would, would have some mental assent around the idea that our relationship with Christ doesn't excuse us from pain and suffering. Although we may live as though our relationship with Christ should protect us from that, um, but we find we find in the reality of life, as time goes on, ourselves in the midst of hardships, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, and we may not have the tools to navigate it well. So walk us through maybe some practical things that can help us navigate that pain and that suffering. Sure. I'll, I'll just address two of them. Okay. Uh, the first one, self-pity. When I was in rehab, when I first came in, the first day I was admitted, I was in a, a room with six other women. And across, I could see the bed across from me. This woman was walking, she was packing her suitcase, and she was leaving. And somebody said she is a C6 quadriplegic, which is the level where I broke my neck. Mm. And here she's walking. And I said, wow, this is a great place. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really glad I came. Looks like good things are going to come out of this. And my dear physical therapist said, that's not necessarily reality. Mm. Mm. You never know what return you're going to have. And she happened to get almost full return. Mm. Well, this woman came back several times for her checkups with the doctor. And every time she would come down to our rehab unit, she would spend the time complaining about the things she could not do. Mm. So here we are all <laughs> sitting in our wheelchairs. Oh. And I've got Ralph who plays checkers with me with a mouth stick because he's on a ventilator per- permanently. And I mean, it's like, are you blind? Yeah, yeah. And the trouble is that she was. Mm. She was blind. It's like if you take your your problems which are, can be significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is not minimizing some of the burdens that people bear, very difficult circumstances. But it's like taking those like two pennies. And if, you're, if that's what you're looking at and you bring those closer and closer and closer, pretty soon those two pennies are right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. So you can only see yourself. So you become self-pitying. Why did this happen to me? Why me? And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to miss the mission that God has for me. Mm. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to be like her. That terrifies me. Mm. Because she was becoming a smaller and smaller woman. Mm. So the antidote to that, one of the antidotes is, um, is gratefulness. Mm. Gratefulness is a weapon to have eyes to see where God is intervening, to look for that, because he intervenes with every prayer. It may not be exactly how you want it to look. He always intervenes. Mm -hmm. My job is to find him. Where is he intervening? And that has, you know, when I lay down on my bed, I will often say right out loud, 
thank you, Jesus, for my bed. <laughs> because, well, honestly, some people in my situation do not have a bed. Mm. Some, so I thank God for the food that I have, that I'm alive for one more day. Uh. This opens my eyes. It keeps those pennies out of my eyes. Mm. And then I can also see the people that God is sending me to relieve suffering. See, if I, if I, was, only, if I was feeling sorry for myself, I could not be grateful for them. Mm. And I think that would be really hurtful. Here they are, ready to comfort, to carry the burdens that I can't do. And then I don't appreciate it. I think that's harsh. And I don't want to be that person. The other one that I think is equally detrimental is blaming God. It refuses to take responsibility for our own contribution <laughs> and the fact that we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And we put it all on God, assuming, assuming that he should protect us from everything that's on this planet. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem when you're faced with the realities, when really good people and tremendous Christians suffer deeply. You know, how do you reconcile that? How do I reconcile that? I, again, I go back to Jesus' example. I also say that it is never God's fault. It's never God's fault. He is never to blame. When, when we blame God for the circumstances that we're in, we exchange the God of love and who he really is for really a God of our own making. Mm -hmm. We create God in somebody's image. <laughs> and that's going to leave me angry and bitter and alone and blocked from God's help and provision. See, love, God's love demanded that there would be choice. And can you imagine the risk that he took mm. with an open heart? Who loves more deeply and profoundly than God himself? But he had to give us choice because choice is in, integral. It's, in, it's the integral ingredient to love, true love. So he had to give us the choice. So we live here and we're, we're not entitled for his deliverance. We live here. He does say that he will be with us and give us grace. And so that wrestling, I am... Um, that has helped me to stay sane in a, in a world that often doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. But the Christian worldview makes sense of it. Mm. I think the self-pity and the blaming God is rooted in a sense of it, that entitlement, mm. that God owes me something. Mm. And I don't believe that. I think that he, I think he's going to be with us the whole way. You know, how else do we recognize, rec reconcile living in this tension between the kingdom here and not fully, not fully? Yeah, yeah. It's both things are true. I've prayed for people and they've been healed. And sometimes I think later, I think, I wonder what they thought. This woman in, in a wheelchair is praying that I'll be healed. <laughs> I could tell you <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> what? You joined with me in prayer over, over my healing. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, what did you think? <laughs> well, first of all, I so a couple of years ago, almost two years ago now, I slid down a water slide and slammed my feet on the bottom of the pool and seriously injured both my heels, like really 
really bad. You know, I mean, just barely felt like I just barely walked away from it. And then immediately, and this is stupid, I know, unwise, went and uh, hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim just a few weeks later. Because <laughs> I'm thinking it's once in a lifetime and I'm 32. Why not do that? So I do that. I do that hike and my feet are just just destroyed. And for uh, almost a year, every day was was difficult getting out of bed, walking through the day. At the end of the day, Alicia's like, you look like you're like 100 years old. You're just, you know, fumbling around the house. And, but I remember talking with you about it, Joy. What you're describing, the, the process that you went through is a process that we went through kind of together through coaching and, and mentoring and dealing with that feeling of feeling entitled. Like, why didn't, why, why me? Like, why didn't you protect me from that injury? Why don't you heal me now? I know you prayed for me multiple times and and I do remember talking with you about it and getting a little bit probably whiny and entitled and then also feeling like here I am talking to this lady in a wheelchair about how hard it is that I'm walking but it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) So at least at least I wasn't blind enough to just go on and on without at least reconciling that. But your story and just the way that you've processed it was an encouragement to me and then just honestly, miraculously uh, my wife got tired of it one day and, and just just said like we're gonna we're gonna anoint you with oil. I'm gonna pray over your feet. We're gonna believe God for healing and it, and it happened. It happened. And I rejoice in that. But I've often thought I needed to go through the process of surrendering that to Jesus and saying I'm still gonna execute the mission that you've put me on, whether or not I ever run again, whether or not I ever get to hike the Grand Canyon again. And uh, I'm I'm better because I wrestled through that. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. Yes. Andrew, that is one of the keys right there. God offers each of us a personal Gethsemane, Mm. multiple ones. Mm. And and this is really, really important for your listeners to hear. Jesus calls us throughout our walk with him to choice after choice. Will you yield more? And suffering, pain, our fears, all of that we bump right into, Lord, I see there's an area that I'm still holding on to. Yeah. Unintentionally yeah. <laughs> and blindly sometimes, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> and, the, and the suffering presses on that. See, it can be a gift to greater freedom. I do not say that glibly. Mm-hmm. It, it is the opportunity to come into greater freedom. Because just like you, Andrew, I also have had multiple times where Jesus has invited me, will you yield this to me? Now that, the Garden of Gethsemane for Christ, here he he is God himself, he understands the mission. He is not tempted to withdraw. That's not what's going on. What he's doing, he fully intends to follow God's will. He understands what it is. Mm -hmm. The wrestling is, God, help me. Help me to say yes to you, where it is unthinkable what I'm facing. Mm -hmm. But that the power of the eternal perspective, it says, for the joy set before him. What did Jesus see? I want to see those things. Mm What is unseen, 2 Corinthians 4 talks about keep your, keep your focus on the things that are unseen. We live in the temporal. Don't get so focused on what's happening to me, I forget. 
the eternal, what's happening there. We, we've hit on this a little bit, but this is one of the questions that we, we prepared and we've touched on it, I think, as we've gone on. What's at stake for us if we don't learn to suffer well? I believe we'll lose our way. We will um, hold on to our misbeliefs. Mm. And I think that's a tragedy. And not only will we lose our way, we will help other people lose their way. Whatever position we're in, we all influence someone. Yeah. I think that should sober us. Mm. Another thing that is at stake, this is very important, is that we will waste the, the suffering in this planet. We will waste it. I've worked in, with addiction people, the people that are addicted, um, ex-prisoners, things like that, people like that. And one of the things that I learned is that when people begin to avoid pain, to medicate it in some way, whatever way they choose, you know, romance novels, drugs, alcohol, <laughs> pornography, what, whatever is your escape of choice. Yeah. <laughs> when we avoid pain or try to escape it, we... At that age, we stop maturing. Huh. So that's where you have immature 40-year-olds because they did not lean into the pain and the difficulties of their life in order to allow God to deepen them and help them to become mature people. Huh. People that love, if you are able to learn to love, the self-forgetful love that Jesus invites us to love, if we can learn to love, that is maturity. Hmm. And we will waste the opportunities. Oh, and I'm saying this, so I don't want to be misheard here. This is not sugarcoating the realities of life and very, very dark things. If we see in them that God wants, that there is a way we can respond to it in our hearts, that allow it to form us into who we really want to be. One of my pastor friends asked God once, why do you not answer all my prayers? He had a very sick wife that he loved very much. And she just, it was, she was chronically ill almost all of their married life. Hmm. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, if I answered all of your prayers, I could not answer what you really want. I could not give you what you really want. So what is it we really want? I want to be like Jesus, I want to be free inside. I want to learn to love and I want to know him. So those are the things that I really want. I, I don't want to become a self-focused, selfish person. Mm. So I don't want to waste what's happening here. That's why it, when people avoid or, or numb themselves against the, the, the regular day-to-day issues, the conflicts, things not going the way we want them to do, if we react badly in those, we will not have the perseverance, the resilience, the strength we need for the, for the next day's troubles. Yeah. Huh. So we have to keep a short account yeah. and do what we know is right and believe what we know to be true about God now so that the next thing that comes doesn't blow us over. There are some people that would say that if you're going through suffering, that's because of a lack of faith. Like your your walk with God should protect you from these things, that uh, you can fellowship with Jesus in the resurrection because he's gone through the death and the crucifixion and you don't have to. How, how do you respond to somebody that has that mindset or that theology? I think sometimes it is lack of faith. Hmm. 
and that we need to repent of and say, Jesus, give me greater faith. Or what is what is blocking my faith? What is it about you that I don't believe mm. that I know is true, but I don't really, really believe it? So I think in that they are, I would agree with them in that that is sometimes sometimes the case. I I also see that the model in the scriptures is that the heroes of the faith were not spared the suffering on the planet. Mm. And the the point here is to recognize that we live in this tension. And this is where I I believe. This is my faith is intact. I don't believe it's because I don't have enough faith that I'm not healed. I think I have I think it also takes faith to not be healed the way I'm asking for. So how how much has God healed me or preserved me from that other quadriplegics at 33 years now that I've been in the wheelchair have experienced or not survived this long? So I don't want to be demanding that God heal me where I miss what he's already done. Huh. But it also takes faith to live in this tension of the kingdom here and not yet, that God heals and sometimes does not. I think to believe and trust him even then, that is also the model I see in the scriptures. So if God intervened and healed everyone, there are things that we would also miss. So I believe that they're both true. I don't believe that we are, we are to demand to be delivered. We ask, and I still ask, Lord, would you heal me? And sometimes I'll say, you know, today would be a really good day to be healed if you're, you know, inclined <laughs> today. But I'm also not to demand it. I, we are to ask and to trust him that he is going to do it in his way in his time. If I camped on God healing my body, if that was the one thing that I focused on, there's a whole lot of things I would have missed. Yeah. And a whole lot of adventures I wouldn't have had. Yeah. And a whole lot of people that I would never met. Andrew, I would never have met you mm. because I would not I would be in another place mentally. Yeah. I would not be able to accomplish the marriage that Dick and I have. Yeah. To to wrap up every episode, we always ask that our guests um, encourage our listeners, uh, what, what's like that last little 10% you'd give them to encourage them through this time? One of my spiritual heroes is Bruce Olson. He was a missionary at 19 and went into the Ecuadorian or Colombian jungles and ministered to the Modalone Indians. He was captured by guerrillas and confined with them and tortured for nine months. He writes this in an article about that. And I'd like to share it with you because I think it's an important perspective for us to have. He says, after he, in his kidnapping, he said, it never occurred to me that it was God's responsibility to rescue me miraculously from this situation. Instead, I believed it was my responsibility to serve him right where I was. Mm. What I asked of God from day to day was very simple, very practical, and I suppose quite typical of me. Father, I'm alive, and I want to use this time constructively. How can I most be most useful to you today? 
This was my prayer and my strategy through the long months of captivity. It was how I approached every day. And he assumed that this situation was part of the orchestration of his life and that he wanted to be open to what God had in mind. So he, he felt like God could use him in any situation. Mm. So I would say that if we keep our pipeline to God's grace clear, we believe what is true about God, we stay free from blaming him and self-pity, that we keep our eternal perspective, I believe God can show us the mission that he has for us here right now. If we tap into that creative God, he's going to give us ideas and ways to do it. We have to trust him and believe what is true. Thank you so much, Joy, for your time. Such a blessing. Thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.